So John has asked if he could open up this morning uh, for us, right, John? Well, thank you, everybody. Uh, thanks, Dave, for letting me open up. I'm I'm kind of excited um, about the journey the Lord has been taking me on this last this last year, and continuing to uh, help me with some things. So I had a conversation with uh, Tim McHenry. Must have been about three weeks ago, and we were we were just having a conversation back and forth. He goes, John, what are what are the things that Rick had told you that you can remember that were impactful in your life? And I said, well, just give me a second. I, you know, I really never thought of it that way. And uh, one of the messages Rick had preached, oh, it must have been 12, 13 years ago, it was on James 3. Oh, uh, Rick Rush is the, one of the elders in the church. So um, I'll just read a little bit of it here. Um, but it says, behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships which through though they be so great, are driven of a fierce wind, yet they are turned with a very small helm. Whithsoever the governor listeth, even the tongue, a little member, boasteth of great things, behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Um, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. And I was thinking about, um, about how, easy the, how easy it is to be taken out by the wrong gospel. And how safe we are with the elders and what they're preaching to us and the sayings. And, and what's interesting, because when Dan preached this, uh, the sayings of Jesus, how important they are to keep in your memory every day. So at the end of this, um, this is interesting. So I, you go and read it yourself. But in the thir 13th verse, it says, who is as a wise man? And I went, oh, my goodness how important it is to keep the sayings because that's what it talks about in Mark 7 24 if you go read that um, who is as a wise man endureth knowledge among you let him show out of a good conversation his works and his meekness of wisdom and uh, how simple how how simple is the salvation of God and and I, I was even talking to Gary about some of these things too about how important it is that we we stay on the path of Jesus, the the one way to break the curse is through Christ, and we can't just believe and go off and believe the, any doctrine we want, and you know even conversations with uh, with just people in general, um, and you you just can hear. I mean, you 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 got the word of God, but you you put it in the flesh. This is about Jesus' sayings and His work. So, um, the more I stay in those conversations, and I've been talking to Dave about some of the things he's spoken to me and, and how we have to keep it on the forefront of our mind. And uh, when he said it, I, I didn't do it. I was, I was uh, slothful with it. And if you're slothful with it, you're, there's no salvation. You can sit, you continue in that cycle all the time, and I just see the discipline um, in my own heart happening with staying in those thoughts all the time consistently. So um, that's what I had for you. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really exciting to, to think differently. And uh, to be the believer that Jesus wants you to be and take it seriously. So, Thank you, John. Appreciate that today. It is important for us to have our thoughts changed, have our mind changed. What's even, when we think about that, you, you talk about the tongue. How many problems have we caused for ourselves because of the tongue that's in our mouth? A few, right? It's amazing. And... Uh, so does uh, 
Does the word of God change the tongue? Does it become new? You know that you guys ever wondered about uh, uh, gossip? (laughs) Anybody ever gossip? You think it's evil? It is evil, for sure. It's easy to do. That tongue is an unruly, wicked beast in our mouth, for sure. All right. I want you to turn with me this morning, and we won't be long now. But at least I never keep you longer than an, an hour, or very rarely do I keep you longer than an hour. So, um, I mean, I grew up in a church uh, as a young man. As a kid, I mean, you had a 15 to 20-minute sermon and took communion and were out the door, which was kind of convenient because NFL football always was predominant back then. And then uh, Connie and I uh, transcended into a uh, more charismatic Pentecostal environment, and the preacher that raised me up in, in ministry, I mean, he preached two hours every Sunday. And uh, so it was like, and I'd be sitting there looking at my, well, I didn't wear a watch, but I'd be sitting there wondering if I was going to ever be able to go back and watch NFL football until I got filled with the Word of God. When I got filled with the Word of God, when Jesus Christ moved upon me and baptized me in the Holy Ghost, that all changed. Time was no more. And uh, those other things uh, didn't have a priority over my mindset anymore, and I'm very thankful for that. So uh, it's awesome what begins to take place when we believe Jesus, isn't it? The power of, that he has in his word to heal our minds so that we begin to look forward to the things that he's established for us and the things that he has purposed in us to become. So if you will turn with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, And I'm going to start with verse 10. And it says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not. Now listen, please. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So flesh and blood is not the problem. We don't want to serve it, that's for sure, right? But flesh and blood is not the problem. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So, there are things that control flesh and blood. What are they? It just named it, right? The things that control our mind that's not given over to the Word of God, that battleground has been set in the mind. So I can, you know, this is the amazing part. And this is why we carry on to know the Lord, follow on to know the Lord, as it says in Habakkuk 2.4. I follow on to know the Lord because in my mind are thoughts of wickedness and in my mind are thoughts of Christ. In my mind are thoughts of, uh, I'll just say it this way, adultery, fornication, and also in my mind are the thoughts of the love of God. In my mind are, are thoughts that take me out of the mind of Christ, while also in my mind are the thoughts that maintain and keep me in the mind of Christ. And so 
it's like we want to get that old battle, we want to get that war over with in our minds, right? Because it's always there. So here comes the instruction of the Lord. To start it out saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So how easy for it is us in our meditations to take on the thought of flesh and blood, where we begin to look at the unreasonableness of ourselves in the believing of Jesus Christ. And in that weakness, we begin to procure thoughts that are not of God. How many of you can testify that that happens in them on a daily basis? How would you like that to be over with? Do you think that God has made the, made the way to put that to an end? I believe he has. I believe that when you, it, that Jesus Christ has made a way through his cross to enter into the rest of God. And when you enter into that rest, God himself is going to put that mindset to, to rest. He's going to put, make an end to it. Isn't that what you're all looking forward to when you believe in Jesus? I know for me, yes. I want to tell you, relate to you something, and I'm going to relate to it more on Wednesday night for sure. But we all battle thoughts that come into our lives because of the way we live our lives. Can everybody say amen? And I spoke to this briefly the other night about when we lost our son Nate. When that happens in the mind, there's a, a sorrow that enters into the mind, a great sorrow because you have lost something that was so apart. In fact, it came out of you, correct? Just like Jesus came out of the Father. Your children come, up, come from where? Where do they come from? They come from you. They come out of you. God prescribed it that way. And so we love them greatly. And really in it, aren't we learning that the, the, the love that God has for us, for that which came out of him, so that love that he had for Jesus Christ, Yet he willingly sacrificed his son Jesus to do what? To bring you back to himself because he knew where you came from from the beginning. But when we look at it in the flesh, and I'm not comparing my son Nate to Jesus, just so you know. It's how that loss worked in the mind and uh, began to cause thoughts to come up in, in myself that I knew were not the thoughts of God. And it was amazing how at that point in my life did I need someone other than myself to help me through that situation? Did I not need my, my other brethren? How about my other six elders that serve with me in the body of Christ? How about the deacons that serve with me in the body of Christ? I needed them all. How about you? Did I need you to hold me up in prayer and to help restore me again into the things of God? And the answer all to all of that is yes. We need the body of Christ. And it's effectually important for every one of us to begin to see how God is working in his body to bring us all or make us all strong in his might. That's how God has set it in order. So when we talk about our weaknesses, which, John, do I like to share weakness? Why? Wrong conversation. It's a tongue. That's correct. It is a tongue. It is a tongue. So if I'm sharing, if I begin to relate to you in weakness, then 
what's going to happen in you? Yeah, you're going to sorrow and you're going to become weak. That's what happens in it. So I'm very thankful this morning that when all that was taking place, that I had all of you and I had the elders and I had the deacons that were so faithful in bringing to me the the word of God and upholding us, upholding Connie and I in the word of God. So uh, in that, then, I want to say this to you this morning, that when the mind is strengthened by the word of God and we begin to be put on the armor of God, that armor is designed for who? Who's it designed for? For you. When David went out to fight Goliath, correct? He went to see King Saul and he said, King Saul, I'm going to go fight. I'm going to go take on Goliath. And Saul was like, well, you're just a kid. This isn't going to go well. At least put on my armor, right? That's what Saul God told David to do. Put on, put on my armor. Well, David tried it on, but he said, no, this isn't going to work. What did David need? What did he need? What did he take? He took a sling. Then what did he take out of the brook? Five stones. Five stones. What did they represent? Word of God. The building blocks of God. How many did he need? One. One. I'll never forget when I first came in to Living Fellowship, clear back in 2006. And I think that we were at a conference in 2007. Oh, I know we were. And I had been in much prayer, much meditation. And it was my turn to speak at that conference. And when I got up to speak, I was kind of wroth in my heart a little bit. But when I got up to speak, I'll never forget what the Lord said. That I would rather have one word by the Holy Ghost than to have all the is, as, or all the knowledge of the Scripture. And you know that that is still true today. I only need one word from the mouth of God by the Holy Ghost. One word breathed into me by the Holy Ghost to do the works of God. Let me read this, and then we'll go to, we're going to go to. In fact, while I'm reading the rest of this, would someone find the scripture for me in the book of Acts? I think it's Acts 3. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. So what's, does that mean that I need to know every word, be able to interpret every word in the scripture, or does it mean something greater? Share with me. Share with me. It's not being able to interpret every word in the Scripture. What is it? 
It's giving, it's dying in your life. It's that death that you present before the Lord. Actually, it's what, what you're doing is what? You're taking on His death. You're being baptized into Christ's death. And in being baptized into Christ's death, what are, what's being removed? And we talked about it earlier. What's being removed from you? If I'm being baptized in Christ's death, that, that mind of death, right, is being stripped away. The mind of sin is being removed. And so now the word that I have received from heaven, no matter what that word is, does that word that I have received become the strength I need to battle everything that comes against the Son of God? And the answer is yes. Okay, did somebody look that scripture up for me? Huh? 319. I knew I was right about the book and the chapter anyway. And I think we read this the other day because I think Debbie found it for me. And I'm going to start with uh, verse 17. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance you did it and as did also your rulers. But those things which God before has showed by the mouth of all of his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. So what did he just say? Everything that the prophets spoke about Jesus Christ, what did Christ do? He fulfilled it. For who? For you. Everything. Every word that the prophets spoke has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. What did they speak? How many of us know what they said? Did they talk about the suffering that Jesus Christ was going to suffer? Didn't the pro- when Philip ran to the Ethiopian eunuch in uh, what is it, the 7th chapter or the 8th chapter of the book of Acts? 6th chapter of the book of Acts, 7th chapter, some, somewhere in there. Well, we don't, you guys can go look it up. When Philip went to the Ethiopian eunuch, what did, what was the Ethiopian eunuch reading in Isaiah? What chapter? Uh, I think it was 58, Isaiah 58. And Philip asked, asked him, uh, what are you reading? And he said, what did the Ethiopian eunuch say? How would I know, lest some man teach me? So what did Philip do? He got up into the chariot and began to teach him the gospel of Jesus Christ out of the book of Isaiah. And so when they came to a pool of water, the eunuch said what? What does prohibit me from being baptized? What's the answer? Nothing. This must become the mindset of the believer because every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God has the baptismal power to free your mind to receive the Holy Ghost. Every word. This is important. So and then the 19th verse, it says this. Repent therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the, now listen, when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord and he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you. So now, if I repent and my sins become blotted out, 
Who's coming? Who's coming? Jesus is coming. I thought Jesus already came. Now the revelation of Jesus Christ is going to be made known in you. Isn't that why Jesus went to the cross? So that the revelation of Jesus Christ could be made known in you. And you could become a son of God. Because in that revelation is the power in Jesus Christ to take away everything in you that is against God. Now listen, we are not talking about flesh and blood here. Right? Physical life, we're not talking about it. What are we talking about? We're talking about a spiritual life. Where the life of Jesus Christ begins to work in you and make you a new creature, a new man. Not outwardly, John, right? But inwardly, after the Holy Ghost, after the Spirit. Let me go on. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. Now let me ask you, when does the restitution of all things take place? Say that again. When Christ died, when it becomes known to you by the word of God. So when the, when the word of God enters into you, when Christ enters into you, is he restoring everything that God spoke from the beginning in your mind? If he's stripping away all the sin, all the death, if he's stripping away every thought that worked in sin and death, what's he replacing it with? What's he restoring in you? Every word that he spoke by the mouth of his prophets. So didn't Jesus say in uh, John in John 14, Jesus said, well, let's just go, I'll just go read it. So that you have a reference of it in your hands. This is good. I'm going to start with 24, 23. And Jesus said to him, if a man loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. What did that just say? If you'll keep the sayings of Jesus, John, what's going to happen? He's going to, he's going to make his abode in you, correct? He that loves me not keeps not my sayings. So if I don't love Jesus, what am I not going to do? I'm not going to keep his word. And I think Jesus is making it very plain and very simple for all of us today. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So the word that you hear, who did it come from? It came from the Father. So if you don't know Jesus, who don't you know? You don't know the Father. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. Now, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. Oh, so when the Holy Ghost comes, whose name does he come in? The name of Jesus he comes in the name of Jesus. In Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all things. 
in the Father. Every word. This is important. Let me say it again. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. When did Jesus start speaking? Did he start speaking to the disciples when he was uh, made manifest in the earth? Or has he always been ever present speaking the things of the Father in the Word of God from beginning to end? Even in Adam, was he not speaking the Word of God? And the answer is yes. How else could he come and fulfill the Old Testament? How else could he come and fulfill the law? How else could he come and fulfill every word that the prophets spoke? And when he comes to you to restore all things, I will make you a promise that when it takes place in you, you will say, send me. It will take place. So, I want to go to Hebrews, the ninth chapter. And I'm going to start reading with verse 23. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with a better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. So when Jesus was crucified, where did he go? He made his appearance in heaven for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often. So how many times do you have to crucify the Lord? The answer is once. If you crucify him more than that, you're putting him to an open shame. Open shame, according to the book of Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world, what, what, what happened? What world? The one in you. The one that had to die. That's the important part. But now once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look to Jesus. So if I'm looking, if I'm believing the word of God, if this, if this, if this breath of refreshing from the presence of the Lord hath come, what is it bringing me to? Is it not bringing me to the acknowledgement that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God? Is it not being breathed upon me that what has been instituted from the beginning is now being restored from the presence of the Lord? So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So how is the new man created without sin, John? Who has to come? Jesus. 
You know that there's a lot of mythology when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ and how it's going to be performed by God. Even movies that depict uh, that airplanes are going to fall out of the sky and cars are going to crash because people were raptured up in the physical body. Raptured out of a physical world. And there's a big collapse because of the second coming of the Lord. I'll tell you this. I don't share in that philosophy. I share in the gospel of Jesus Christ where when you believe this Jesus that came out of the Father, sent of God to do the work of God to save you from your sins, to purify your mind, open the mind to where you can receive heaven in you again. Christ has come to you the second time. And it is the most real experience of salvation you will ever know. Let me go to um, Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And it stood... Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. Wow. So now, where's Isaiah at? He's in heaven. His mind has been taken up by the Spirit of the Lord. And in the Spirit of God, God begins to show him great things. Can you say amen? Listen. These things are written for our admonition to teach us how to enter into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We wonder about heaven. We wonder about what's there. We wonder about things that we don't believe we can know or learn until we die a physical death and go someplace that's not prescribed in the Scripture. But the prescription of God is true. It's given. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Above it stood the seraphims, and one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Where else can you read that? Can you not read it in the book of Revelation? Where the the, the four and twenty elders are sitting around the throne of God. And around the throne of God, they hear what? What do they hear? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Is it a different heaven or is it the same? It's the same. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that sat and cried, and the house was filled with smoke. What does, in the book of Revelation, what does it say that the, when, when God speaks, what happens? Doesn't it say that great thunderings and lightnings come from the voice of him? who holds the book and has the word of truth. Then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So you're in your mind, when you see, when the revelation of Jesus Christ becomes known in you, do you think that your testimony is going to be likened unto Isaiah's? I believe it will be.
Because when you see the Lord of glory and how pure and how righteous he is, what does that do to your mind? Does it not show you how unclean you are? And that the work that he has set forth for you will bring you into the same? Let's go on. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs off the altar. What altar? We're in the kingdom of heaven, right? So what's what's been on that altar, John? Anybody know? Oh, was there a sacrifice in heaven where the blood of Jesus Christ was offered? Yes, there was. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, now we talked about the tongue earlier, right? Laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Oh, Isaiah just received the testimony of Jesus Christ. And in that testimony, he has no sin. Does Jesus have sin? No. So he could be sacrificed to, to, to cleanse the world of sin. And now when that blood touches your lips... What does it do for you? What does it do to your tongue? It changes it, cleanses it, purifies it. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here I am. Do what? Send me. Do you know that the experiences that you are being given by the Word of God in your life today in freeing you from sin, from iniquity, from trouble, from weakness is preparing you to be sent of God. Preparing you for the purposes that God put in His Son, Jesus Christ. So that when Jesus ascended, what did He give to men? Gifts. And the purpose of the gift is to do what? Is to edify the body of Christ and bring forth the church of the living God. Wow. Folks, we live in a great day. We live in a day where the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ, the baptismal power of the Holy Ghost, where that breath of refreshing, when it comes to you, It's going to institute all these things for you and make you that new creature. I will even say that because you believe in Jesus Christ, has it already started? I'm going to tell you yes. It's already working. And what it's bringing you to is that new creature, that end where you see a new heaven and a new earth come down out of heaven. Is that not awesome? God's prepared you for it. Now all you got to do is what? I just got to walk in it and do what? And believe it. Because the works are finished. They're finished for you when you believe. Are you thankful for that today?
Any, any thoughts or questions about those things? We said a lot today. Before church, before we started, and during the service. Lots. Lots of word there. Amen? But is the word of God true? It is true. Is Jesus Christ sufficient? And I'm going to tell you, he is most sufficient to do all the work. God bless you.